So we are in a series called what? Oh, that was weak. What? Ever wondered. So today we're gonna we're gonna tackle the subject. Ever wonder why the crossing does worship like we do? Why is praise and worship such a focus of our church? And why do we use guitars and drums and pianos and vocals and all the stuff? Why? Why do we do that? Well, we're going to go back 43 years. 43 years ago, I was 15 years old. Yes, that makes me old. Uh, and, and so, 43 years ago, at 15 years old, I preached my very first official sermon at a church on a Sunday night. And I had, had been mentored by all these different people uh, that, that were pastors and leaders. And they gave me all their horror stories of the first time they preached. They had pages and pages of notes. And they got nervous and ran through all the notes. And a friend of mine literally was like, I went through pages of notes in seven minutes. And then I didn't have anything else to say. So I was done. That was my first message. So um, I, I was like prepared. I was ready. I was going to talk about praise and worship, something that was so important to me, you know? And so I had everything, had all the notes. Greg, you might have actually been there. It's very possible. It just hit me. Uh, but... but uh, I had all the notes and everything, and in our church at that time, you know, on a Sunday night, you only talked about 15 or 20 minutes. 45 minutes later, <laughs> I'm still going. I actually played a Petra song as part of the message, you know? Petra did this thing. You're like, who's Petra? Well, I'll even make it worse. Petra played the doxology. And you're like, what the heck is a doxology? Just look it up, all right? All right, so, so I'm talking about praise and worship, and I'm reading scriptures, and I read a ton of scriptures. And some of those scriptures that I read 43 years ago were these. It says this, yeah, M, or, yeah, thank, thanks, Alan, you're playing double duty. It says, praise, what? Okay, everybody say it with me. Ready, go. Praise the Lord. Hey, that was a little better in first service. Still, some of you were like, praise the Lord. Okay, let's try it again. Ready, go. Praise the Lord. Hey, that was a lot better. Uh, all right, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praises in the assembly of his faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in, her, in their maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their king. Let them praise his name with what? And making music to him with the timbrel and the harp. 
For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with what? Victory. Praise the Lord. This is Psalm 150. Love this. Uh, Y'all help me. Say that again. Ready? Praise the Lord. All right. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with the strings and the pipes. Praise him with, and it, never mind. Praise him with the clash, my ADD, sorry. Praise him with the clash of the cymbals. Praise him with the, what is it? Resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And everybody, praise the Lord. Come on, praise him. Yeah. Yes. Praise the Lord. I love it. Growing up, I, 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 I used to think, like, what's the difference between praise and worship. Why is it talked about different? Like, like there's praise and there's worship. Well, I, I want to say this before I jump into it. The more I understand, the more the lines are not really clear. Because praise and worship in so many ways overlap each other. They really do. Growing up, though, I used to think, okay, the praise songs, we're going to have praise, and then we're going to have worship. So praise songs are the fast songs that you clap to. Anybody else? Right? Those are the, those are the praise songs. We're going we're gonna to have some praise. So those are the songs that we can clap to. Those are the praise songs, the fast songs, the ones that you can dance to, you know, those, because it says dance, right? So... Um, so those are, that's praise. And, and worship are the slow songs, right? They're the worshipful songs. <laughs> They're the songs that maybe you raise your hand, maybe you kneel, they're quiet, more, you know, think about it, that kind of, of thing. But as I have grown... I, I kind of, my perspective of that has changed. And again, I know it's bigger than this. This is just a really simple way of, of as I look at the scripture and I read the scripture, that possibly these things kind of praise and worship could be categorized like this. And, and I want you to write this down if you've got your notes. Praise is me telling you how great God is. Praise is me telling you. We just read where it says praise, praise the Lord, right? And then it even describes, I'm telling you how great our God is. Did did we not just read that, right? It's me telling you how great. But here's what I want you to hear. Praise is not limited to music. Praise is anything 
I do or say that tells somebody around me how great God is. Are y'all hearing me? That's lifting praise. Anything that I say, any action that I take that tells somebody around me how great God is, that is me lifting him high in their eyes. Are y'all with me? All right, all right. So that's kind of how I see praise. Worship is me telling God how much I love him. Worship is me telling God how much I love him. And again, it's not limited to music. Anything I say, anything I do, anything that tells God that I love him is worship. Doesn't matter if there's music, doesn't matter what's happening. But how many of you know, music sure makes it easier, right? It does, it does. But anything that I say, anything that I do with my life that tells God, man, I love you. I'm doing this because I love you. Not because I have to, not because you told me I needed to, but just because I want to. Come on, y'all. That's, that's worship. All right? That is the way I see it. Because here's the thing. We are all constantly, every day, praising and worshiping something or someone. All of us, there's some in the room like, well, I'm just not into worship. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. I, I, I'll prove it. I've done construction my whole life. I, I love building things. But about five years ago or so, somebody handed me a multi-tool. Some of you know what a multi-tool is. All right? Now, I didn't think I needed a multi-tool. I've been building my whole life. I don't need one of those. But when somebody handed me one and showed me what it would do, all of a sudden, right, Scotty? All of a sudden, I was like, where have you been all my life? Right? And so the next person I talked to, I'm like, do you have one of these? Because the thing is, we talk about what we praise, and we talk about what we worship. There's nothing wrong with talking about how great that multi-tool is, right? I'm praising that multi-tool. That's okay. Whoever invented it, thank you, Jesus, right? Right? I, I, I mean... <laughs> Some of you, you're that way, you get a new phone, and you're like, ah, this thing will do everything. Like, it'll take us to the moon and back if we need to. We just go right here, you know? And, and you talk about the things that are important to you. Come on, right? Right? I, I was informed, I said this in the first service, you know, you find a crappie jig that works. Everybody's like, how'd you catch that? 
I was informed after the first service, you tell nobody. I, I, I thought maybe you bragged about it, but no. When you find the secret, you just keep it to yourself, evidently. I don't know. All right? But, but you talk about things that are important to you. Are y'all with me? You, you do. We were just wired that way. You find that, you know, somebody walks up, how'd you lose so much weight? Well, let me tell you. I'm hungry all the time. All right. I, I, I mean, just, I mean, seriously, you'll talk about the things that are important to you. We, we just are, so we're wired that way. So the question is, what or who do you worship most? We are worshipers. We can't help it. We just are. But what or who do we worship most? Now, I, I'm a people watcher. I, I love kind of standing around as everybody's coming in, and I watch groups of people. And it's funny to me because people will be coming in, and they kind of group up, you know, and, and, and they're talking, and they're talking about their week, and, and, and they're laughing, and people get excited, and they're talking about, yeah, my grandbaby's this, ha- this tall or this big, and they're using their hands, and they're explaining it, and pulling out their phone, showing pictures, you know, and yeah, we went fishing, and it was this big, and the second service, it's this big, and you know, it's like, and they're, they're talking, and they're, you know, I, I mean, it's like, and then you walk in here, and we start talking and singing about how great our God is, and it's like, how great is our God, Woo! And I so often look around and I go, is he not better than the fish? <laughs> you did this for a fish. You do this for him. Is he not better than all? There's nothing wrong with those things. Those things are great. Talk about it. But is he not greater? Instead, we just kind of stare, blank face, no emotion. Hmm. And some of you would push back, and I get it. You'd go, yeah, but I'm just not real expressive. You'd say, and, and really, come on, Vic, God knows my heart. God knows that I love him. It really doesn't matter if I raise my hands. It doesn't matter if I let my face show it. It doesn't matter if I jump. I can stand right here, hands down, blank faced, no emotion, and he knows my heart. So what you're saying is facial expressions, tone of your voice, and body language really isn't that important. And if you truly believe that, then anybody in the room that has ever raised children need to go apologize to their children. 
Come on. Come on. Because how many times have you grounded them or busted their butt simply for facial expression, tone, and body language? (laughs) It had nothing to do with what they said. It had everything to do with how they said it. You know? It's like, okay, fine. (laughs) Right? <laughs> yeah, you wake up next week going, what happened? You know? <laughs> okay, I'll do it. Tell me that that doesn't matter. How much more does it matter to our Father? I, I, I want you to write this down because I, I know posture matters. It's not the words that we sing. I should say it's not just the words that we sing. It's the tone. It's the face. It's the attitude. It's the posture of our bodies that say more than the words themselves. Come on. It just is true. Whether you like it or not, it is true. It, it, it is. Posture, everybody say that. Posture matters. It does. It does. And that's why the psalmist, he's like, okay, we're going to use stringed instruments. We're going to use wind instruments. We're going to use percussion instruments. We're going to make it loud. We're going to clap. We're going to dance. We're going to kneel. We're going to do it all so that anybody watching knows we love this guy. There is no question. We are expressing our love fully to him. Do you realize there are hundreds, literally hundreds and hundreds of scriptures that talk about and and reference praise and worship? The Bible is stacked full. I have never read one place where it says that you only clap when you're happy. I've never read one place where it says in worship to God that you only raise your hands when you feel the Holy Spirit goosebumps. Nowhere. Some walk away from church going, man, I just didn't feel it. (laughs) It's because you missed it, not God. He's in the room. Always. We don't have to ask him to show up. He came with me. Are y'all hearing me? So if we missed it, it was us, not him, not the preacher, not the worship leader. Well, I didn't like those songs. Tough. That has nothing to do with praise and worship. It doesn't. It just doesn't. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Nowhere does it say, you just, matter of fact, every single scripture that talks about clapping your hands, singing with your voice, raising your hands, dancing before the Lord, 
every scripture, it is written in an imperative narration. In other words, it's not optional. It's not optional. We sing, we clap, we raise our hands in surrender, we dance, and we don't get to pick which one of those we do. We do it all because he said it literally is over and over and over a command to do. It's imperative. And it has nothing to do with me feeling it. Here's what I know. This may come as a surprise. But there are Sundays that I walk in here and I just don't feel it. I mean, seriously. I'm like, I'm like, man, I am so glad to be here with these people. But Lord, I'm just not feeling the connection right now. But here's what I know. When I sing, when I raise my hands, when I dance, when I jump around and people are like, that, that boy's weird. What's he doing? Right? When I do that every single time, he meets me there. And I, I walk out going, it was good to be in the house of the Lord. You know? Even if I totally botched the message. <laughs> I'm like, God, you're cool. You're cool. I mean, he meets with us there every time. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. I want to push you. I want to stretch you. I, 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 I want us to be a house of praise and worship where we are constantly telling each other how great God is and we're constantly telling him how much we love him and we do it extravagantly and we do it because the scripture said so we do it with strings and we do it with with guitars we do it with drums we do it with wind come on that we do it extravagantly because he is an extravagant God. And so I want to challenge you, especially when you're not feeling it. Throw your hands in the air. Surrender to him, and I bet you money you'll walk out going, he was there with me. I promise. Are y'all hearing me? It works because the scripture says he inhabits. He hangs out in the praises of his people. Come on. That's a promise. That is a promise. And, and so it kind of makes sense that he would say, just do this. You're like, well, that's kind of arrogant. He says, I have to. He's doing it for our own good. 
Because when you do, he's going to show up and make himself known to you. All right? He's doing it for you. He is. So, are y'all ready to, like, jump in the deep end for just a moment? All right? All right? Are you? All right. And this may not be that deep. Some of you are, like, a lot more spiritual than I. So, but I think this is actually some cool stuff I want to show you and then hopefully bring it together at, at the end. In the scripture, I mean, there are lots of angels, lots and lots of angels. And I know lots of angels have lots of names. But in the Bible, we only know the names of three angels. Right? I, I, I mean, there are lots of angels, and I'm sure they all have names. But in the Word of God, there's only three named angels that we actually have their names that are written in the Scripture. And these will be common to you when I put them up. You'll be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So one of those, and you can write it down. It's in your notes. One of them's name is Michael. And, and Michael, the archangel... Um, normally when he shows up, he shows up answering prayers, okay? He answers prayers. Uh, matter of fact, one example of that is in the book of Daniel, uh, where Daniel starts praying, and he prays for 21 days nonstop, just keeps praying and keeps praying. Finally, Michael shows up after 21 days of praying, <laughs> Michael shows up, and uh, gives the answer, and Michael tells him, said, I got the answer the first day you prayed. But I've been fighting every demon in hell. I mean, that's the essence of the scripture. I've been fighting every demon in hell to be able to bring you the answer. So thanks for not giving up. Right. That just ought to encourage you, don't stop praying. Right? Don't stop praying. That was Michael. He was answering prayer. All right? Another angel we know the name of. His name is Gabriel. Uh, and he brings the word of God. Like, they didn't pray for it. God's just like, go tell them. All right? Several times in the scripture, Gabriel shows up. One of those times, you know, very familiar story where Gabriel meets with a little girl named Mary, right? And said, you're going to be, you're going to have a baby and you're going to call him Jesus. That was Gabriel. He was bringing the word of God. And then the other angel that we have a name for, his name is Lucifer. And most theologians, uh, those are guys that are a lot smarter than me in the Bible. Uh, most of them believe according to the original languages of the Bible, that Lucifer was probably the worship leader of heaven. Now, I'm not going to argue that fact. There's a lot, there's scriptures that speak to that. So um, anyway, but he, he was a worship leader. Now, now, here's what's interesting, is that he actually... When you dig it out, and we got people in the room here, like I said, that know a lot more than I do about this, but when you dig it out, it kind of paints the picture that when he was created, he was actually created with instruments 
in his being. Like it wasn't that he played a stringed instrument. He was a stringed instrument. He was all of these musical instruments all wrapped in this being that would lead in worship to God, all right? And then something happened, and we're going to read about it, but it says that he, he fell, right? He fell. He was cast out of heaven. Now, I just want to say this in case there's any confusion, because I, I have read stuff, and people talk about this major battle, the battle that happened in heaven. There was this big power play, and Lucifer was going to overtake God, and there was a fight, and there was this long, drawn-out war. And I love it. Jesus comes along and clarifies it. He says, no, I was there when it happened. And Lucifer fell like lightning from heaven. So here's how long the battle lasted. Pow! Over. There wasn't any big battle. <laughs> it was just pow, like lightning. God's like, nope, gone. All right? He fell. But, but I want to I read, and I in, encourage you, Isaiah 14 talks about this uh, a little bit too, but we're going to read in Ezekiel uh, a little bit about this angel whose name was Lucifer. It says, you are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You are in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, onyx, and jasper. Sapphire, turquoise, emerald, and with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes, your, the way you were designed, the musical instruments, were prepared for you on the day that you were created. You were created with these things. You are the anointed cherub who covers. I established you, and you are on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in all your ways from the day you were cre created until iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, that word, I, I could spend a lot of time on it, but he went out of his way to trade something. By the abundance of your trading, we'll talk about that, you were filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. His heart was lifted up because of his what? Remember how it described his beauty? 
Your, you corrupted your what? Your wisdom for the sake of your splendor, how good you were. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuary by the multitude of your iniquities. By the iniquity of your trading, it mentions that again, therefore I brought fire from your midst. It destroyed you, and I turned you to ashes upon the earth. It's quite a description, isn't it, of what happened. He was stringed instruments. He was wind instruments. He was percussion instruments. All of the music came out of him. It says that he traded... It actually describes it in Romans chapter 12, too, about us. It says that their hearts were darkened because they traded and worshiped the created thing more than the creator. That's literally what Lucifer did. He was designed to lead the host of heaven in worship. He was this instrument of worship. But he got to looking and he traded the worship of God and started turning the worship on himself. Look at me. Look how splendorous I am. Look how wise I am. That should be a warning to all of us. Who or what do we worship most? Hmm. He traded, he says, the abundance of your trading. Trading the worship of God for the worship of yourself. You were designed to worship, and the scripture says he cast him out, threw him down. I believe, now this is a victor thing. I don't know that this is true, so just, you can throw it away or whatever. But I believe all of those precious jewels <laughs> that he was made with, I think he stripped them of that beauty. Of all of the crowning jewels, and then if you read in the book of Revelation, it talks about that God has all of these jewels that he's going to use to adorn his bride. I think that's where they came from. Just a thought. May not be right. You know what? If I'm wrong, you're still going to go, whoa, when you see it. All right? I promise. You're still going to go, wow, that was amazing. You know? But just an interesting thought, all right? Um, 
<laughs> so he throws him out. Now there's a vacancy. There's no worship leader in heaven. I mean, there's those angels that are going around him going, holy, 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 right? We know that. But it's interesting that God never replaces that position in heaven. Hmm. So who is the new worship leader? It's you and me. <laughs> we literally have the opportunity to lead the host of heaven in worship. Okay, uh, you're like, you're not, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure yet. Okay, hang with me. This may be a little cheesy to some, but I think it's such an interesting thought, uh, all right? When God created you, all right, He's like, I think, he's like, you know what? We don't need a worship leader. Let's make a host of potential worship leaders. Let's make a bunch of them. Let's just make a bunch of them. All right? I mean, let's, and let's put in them the ability to lead worship like what was in Lucifer. So hang with me. In every one of you, he gave you a wind instrument. He did. In every one of you, he gave you a stringed instrument. Right here. You watch videos of it. It's like guitar strings doing this number as you speak. As you talk, as you sing. <laughs> and he gave us all percussion instruments. Right here. He gave us instruments. We were designed to worship. Every type of musical instrument is under one of those categories of wind, string, or percussion. Every instrument is under one of those categories. And he gave those instruments to us. So, so think about this. Think about this. If we were designed as instruments of worship, how do we use this instrument of worship? I was convicted. Do we use our wind and string instrument to worship God or to curse those around us? Do we use it to encourage or to crush? 
this instrument of worship? Do we use it to honor him or to push people down around us? To make us look bigger. Is the focus of this instrument right here so I can do good works and I look good? Or is it to do good works to lift him up? Because there's a really fine line between these being an instrument of worship at my job, lifting him up, or an instrument of worshiping Victor, making me look good. And when it is an instrument of worship that it's only for my benefit, that I earn money, that I build things, when it's all about me, beware, you're on the same track as Lucifer. Okay? Do I use this stringed instrument to tell people around me how great God is? Or do I just use it to put them down to make me feel better? Man, if you'll grab this, <laughs> we were designed to worship. The breath in our lungs that gives us life was to live a life that would lift him up to people around us. But when our focus is more on us and me and mine than others and lifting them up and lifting up God and letting people know how awesome he is, we are in a dangerous place. We really, really are. Man, I gotta, I gotta wrap this up. I could so spend a lot of time there. Write this down, all right? We are instruments of worship, and we are all worshiping something or someone every minute of every day. How do we use this instrument? that literally took the place of the worship leader in heaven. How do we use it? What do we do with it? How many of y'all know God loves you? Oh, God loves you. That's right. And he created us so that he could love us. He wanted to express his love to somebody that had the choice to love him back or turn their back. It doesn't matter. He, he wants, he, he created us so that he could express his love to us and be in a relationship with us. Matter of fact, he loves us so much. It's going to weird some of you out, and I get it. But he loves you so much, he wants to marry you. <coughs> I didn't get a lot of amens on that. I got a few. He wants to marry you. He does. Matter of fact, one of the first things he's going to do when the whole church gets there, he's going to go, come on, bride, we're walking the aisle. That's what the scripture says. And then in Revelation, he's going to throw this. It's called, the sounds churchy, the marriage supper of the lamb. Let me just tell you what that means. 
It's the biggest wedding reception ever to happen anywhere. It's a big party because he's going to be like, my beloved are here. We are together. We've been through a lot. and We all beat up, but man, we got this. Come on. I mean, it's going to be amazing. It really is. He created the sunsets and the sunrise because he loves you. Do you know what? If the wedding is then, this is the dating. And you know what? We're always on our best behavior in the dating. Some of you were so good when you got married, they were like, where'd this guy come from? I don't know this. You know? <laughs> I mean, like, I, I, mean, I mean, this is the dating. And so he's showing off in the creation of the mountains. He's showing off in the, in the sunsets and sunrises, in the rivers, in the oceans, going, I made all that as an expression of love. Next time you see a beautiful sunrise, go, you painted that just for me. You painted that just because you love me. You're just showing me again how much you love me. I mean, just think about that. It's such a cool, such a cool thing. It really, really is. And then he gave us his son to prove I'll hold nothing back. That's how much I love you. To redeem us, to buy us back from our brokenness and sin. He's given us his best. And all he wants, write this down, all he wants from us is that we love him back. That's all. He's like, I've done all the work. I just want you to love me back. I just want you to love me back. I want to show you a scripture, and I learned something uh, in the last couple of weeks that I did not know. And I've read this scripture hundreds and hundreds of times. And we're going to wrap things up with this. Are y'all ready? Yes. Say amen loud, and I'll go fast. All right, all right, all right. Let's read this. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will, everybody say, worship. worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father is looking for. He is seeking. Hmm. The worshipers will worship. Worship. This word, worship, here is an interesting word. Matter of fact, uh, you guys know um, that, because we talked about it, I'm sure, that, that many words from the Greek, there was not an English word that fit it perfectly. And, and sometimes they would actually make a word in English that was the best representation of the Greek word. Uh, for example, the word uh, that's used like uh, ho holy um, spirit, the word spirit, or some would say holy ghost, 
you know, in the old translation, that word ghost or the word spirit, there, that word was made up as an English word to describe a Greek word. And the Greek word there was the word pneuma. Um, and, and it literally means the, the breath or the wind. So it's like the Holy Spirit is like the holy breath. That's a cool picture. The Holy Spirit is like the, the holy wind of God. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. He is the wind in our sail. Come on. He is moving us forward. So, so here was another place that there was not an English word that fit the Greek word. And, and the Greek word right here, it says, when the true worshipers worship. So what, what do you mean they, they worship? What, what's the definition of, of worship? The, the word in the Greek, are y'all ready? All right. The word in the Greek is that right there. All right. Yeah. And, and uh, um, you could probably tell me exactly how to say it because I'm going to butcher it in my English. Uh, <laughs> we got a Greek scholar in the room. He's, yeah, I love this guy. He, uh, but proskuneo, now that's my English butchering of a Greek word, uh, all right? Now, this word is going to make some of you uncomfortable because the word there um, is, it says the worshipers will proskuneo. They will worship. That word is to kiss. To kiss. Specifically, though, it's a verb that means to kiss the hand. <laughs> to kiss the hand. Worship, true worshipers, <laughs> worship with a posture of kissing the hand of God. An honor, a respect, a I can't believe I get to be in your presence. I, as a mere mortal, have the opportunity daily to kiss the hand of God. That ought to give you goosebumps. How do I kiss the hand of God? When my posture's like this. When my posture's like this. When I'm using this instrument. When my voice, no matter how bad it is, is really good and loud. You know? 
How do I kiss the hand of God when I use this instrument of worship to speak life into somebody else's life? When I use these instruments of worship to go clean somebody's yard? If my posture is right, it's kissing the hand of God. You have an opportunity. See, we can either come in here and sing songs, or we can come in here and kiss the hand of God. And it has everything to do with our posture. You can either say, ah, it's Wednesday. I got to clean my house because all those people are coming for circles. I don't want to clean my house again. Or you can say, God, I'm going to clean my house as worship to you. And while you're cleaning the house, you're kissing the hand of God. When you stop to help somebody, is it a duty or is your posture like, I'm doing this for the Lord? Because if you're doing it for Him, the scripture says it's a sweet smell, it's worship. That true worshipers, they look for places to use this instrument to use this breath this voice these hands (laughs) to kiss the hand of God and here's what's cool the only people to get to kiss the hand of God are those that come into the royal court how it worked in the king's So, Father, my prayer is that we would learn with our lives how to be true worshipers. Not just with voice and music, although that's a big part of it. But with our lives, when we walk out of here, that we would use this instrument that was designed for worship even when we're communicating with our kids and our wives that our posture is that of you're in the room we're going to honor you in this conversation God we're going to honor you with this action that it would all speak to those around me and to you that I love you Father I just pray that we would become a house of extravagant worshipers as we work through our week, as we deal with problems throughout our week, as we do all that needs to be done, as we stack the chairs and the carpet in just a minute, that it's not what we have to do, but it is worship to you if our posture and our heart is like, I'm doing this for you, Jesus, because I love you. Thank you.